3: This is the Puck Pooleys podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: Hello, everybody! Welcome to the newest episode of Puck Poolies presented by Proline. I am here with my usual line mate, Stephen Ellis. It's Matt Larkin, of course. And we're playing hurt my friends. Okay, we're coming out of the trade deadline. You know, how the immune system works kind of reminds me of like when it was exams in university. As soon as I was done, I would get sick and Stephen and I are both we're a little banged up right now, but we're going to grind through because we have a lot to talk about. And Stephen, before we get into that, what's the latest on your team?
3: Well, first off, I'll just add that uh, I know people love trades in, uh, in the trade deadline. It's great and all. Um, but I think when you work in the industry, it's kind of nice when there's no trades. That trade deadline was awesome. It was great. Um, but... Uh, Obviously, the days leading into it were pretty nuts, but uh, in terms of that, the my fantasy team, I'm on a three-week uh, win streak. So things looking good. I'm already doing really well this week, and uh, I listened to my own tip last week, which was uh, don't overreact to early season projections and uh, or early week projections. I should say, uh, it looked like I was going to lose quite badly. I stuck with it. With the major ad I made was uh, bringing in Jonathan Quick. Uh, just for literally for one start, but I ended up winning by like 110 points. It was a really good week, um, considering you know, again, I was going up against the, the guy with McDavid, who McDavid had a good week, but so did Joycell, so did a few other guys, and uh, for me, so um, you know, I'm I'm happy. It's looking good again. We're we're playing a, a team this week. I should be able to beat quite nicely, and then we're gonna play the second place team the week after. So I'm liking it. Okay, so you're hanging
0: in there. I I've, my my giant winning streak finally ended. I. It was at no. 10 weeks long and i was looking like i was going to keep it going on sunday night but then vitek vanacek gave up a couple couple late goals in that game the devils ended up winning it in overtime but just it was 5-4 so it was extra goals flipped a couple categories And the streaks find me over it doesn't really matter for me, though, because my team has just kind of clinched its division title. There's no one that can catch me so it's sort of just (laughs) jockeying for position now, getting ready for the final week and we have a late trade deadline Our trade deadline is this week, which is really strange, but we had to push it because the way we do goalies in our league, everybody gets goalies from two teams. So if a goalie got traded in real life, you have to be able to make the trade after to make sure that everyone had the right goalie configuration. So Jonathan Quick getting traded sent everybody into a panic. Well, namely Michael Bublé. He really panicked when that happened. But we found a way to get Quick onto his team, so he's all good. So we're going to keep the trade deadline talk going. This is a special edition of Puck Pooleys. We're going to do all sort of trade deadline fallout because people always want to know how things affect their players. So we're going to start with that, Stephen. We're going to do a special section, risers and fallers. So we're going to go back and forth, play a little tennis, and let's start by naming three players each who have gained value as a result of the deadline. So we'll go back and forth one and one So we'll start with you. Give me your first riser.
3: Well, I'm going to go with uh, Nino, Nino Rider, uh going to Winnipeg. And, you know, this is a team that I have very high hopes for. I'm, I'm still... You look at the standings, and it's just a team that, re, that kind of speaks to me as the one I just feel comfortable in the playoffs, and a lot of it is due to their goaltending and also how guys like Josh Morrissey has really stood up this year. But uh, having Ryder out there and filling a role that Cole Perfetti's basically uh, left in his injury, I think that's going to be good for him, good for the Jets. And, uh, you know, when you go from a team where you're going to get a lot of opportunity on a team like Nashville, but you go to a team like winnipeg that's in this like win now mode they've got some good offense uh the opportunity is really good so i like that
0: okay that's a good pick i'm gonna go with my first riser is unis the los angeles kings and it's funny we actually referenced him in a question i think it was last week saying if he got traded he's immediately give or take a top 15 goaltender and it just is such an obvious upgrade for me. He goes from a team that had the sixth worst expected goals against for 60 at five and five to a team that has the sixth best. So we already know Corpusel has been a much better goaltender this year. He looks way healthier getting the hip repaired last year. And it's been a night and day difference in his game. And now he's going to a team that's just going to give him far fewer high quality looks that he has to stop. So better team, more opportunity for wins. Maybe he's going to get fewer saves because. The Kings just aren't gonna give up as many shots, but overall the trade-off is worth it. He is now quite a relevant fantasy goaltender for your stretch run and playoffs. Okay, give me your second riser.
3: I'm going to go with uh, Ivan Barbashev. You know, Vegas seems to be this place where you can get opportunities. And this is one where he goes from St. Louis, not having a good year, but we know he's capable of putting up some decent numbers. He's going to go to a situation here where, you know, the fact that Chandler Stevenson's turned into a star is a sign that you can, anyone can really kind of make it work here in Vegas. Uh, And I feel like, You know, again, losing Mark Stone, not great, but going out there and being this big key feature, key aspect of this team in, you know, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. Looks like it should happen, but we know this West battle is going to be pretty good till the end. Uh, I think that he's going to be very important and is not not playing on a Blues team. That just was an absolute disaster and was trading away pieces very quickly and leaving kind of not much uh, to work with there. So I like what he's going to be moving into there.
0: I like it too. And I'm going to go with John Klingberg. This is someone I was telling you all for weeks just to trade for him in advance because Mm -hmm. he's going to get traded to a better situation in real life, which he did. He will run the first power play unit in Minnesota. He's already out there with Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Joel Erickson, and Matt Ciccarello. So that's a big upgrade in personnel that he has alongside him. It doesn't mean he's a great addition in real life. I think Klingberg's game has really fallen off a cliff. And I argued the day that it happened that. Kalen Addison was kind of already doing a lot of the things that Klingberg was doing for better and for worse. But in fantasy, he's got these sheltered minutes and he's going to be playing power play, much better players. So that's a very obvious upgrade if you're looking for especially assists and power play points on defense. Okay, who do you got as your third? Riser.
3: I'm going to go with th- this one is tough cuz there was a lot of good options for this one but I'm going to go with Jacob Vrana someone that we know how good he was when things were looking good in in Detroit and and Washington and I know and like when you and I work kind of at the Hockey News like that was a guy I remember mentioning him uh before a podcast shoot and you're like oh yeah like I'm a huge on Vrana trade it's great and then uh, obviously um th- there was a lot of on ice like, success but I guess the issues off the ice has kind of made some question marks about what he's capable of doing. And he went to the AHL clearly too good to be in the AHL, but the relationship there was fractured with Detroit. I'm glad that he's going to get an opportunity here in St. Louis, but um, you know, I, I really hope we can see him kind of bounce back to the quality. We know he can, because this is a guy that just didn't seem to miss a lot. And he was very underrated in Washington was putting up goals. Like it was no one's business early in his days in Detroit. I think he's got an opportunity again here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I even like him as just a keeper league stash. Now, the guy who scored mm-hmm. at a 39 goal pace in Detroit Red Wings uniform. So if he can get his head on straight, get through the substance abuse problems that were plaguing him, then he could be pretty special next year. Great by low by the blues. Okay, I'm going to keep the Jacob theme going from my third riser. It's Jacob Chikrin, and he joins one of the hottest teams in the league. He goes from one of the worst teams in the league. The Coyotes offense, 28th in the NHL, Ottawa as of yesterday, as of Monday was 15th in offense, so a much better offensive team. Right now, Chikrin had started on the second power play unit, but I do think eventually he'll get a chance to go out there with Kachuk and Stutzla, bring it. Even the second unit still has guys like Claude Giroux on it as well. Uh, and just the better overall company, we know Chikrin is a guy who can impact the game a lot in his own, contribute to many different categories, and now he has easily the best supporting cast of his career. So that's an obvious upgrade in his long-term fantasy value so let's now put on our pessimist hats and tell me steven who are you looking at as your first major dropper or faller i should say in fantasy value
3: well i'm gonna go with thomas hurdle in san jose Uh, he doesn't have a lot to work with right now and uh, losing timo meyer in that group you know this is a team that's just kind of focused on trying to get that first overall pick or, or reality probably closer to third or fourth but i feel like man it's 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 uh, got to be tough when you lose a guy as important to to that lineup uh as Timo Meyer and then you got to play the rest of the season knowing like there's not much going for you at this point so I'm not really expecting much out of anyone kind of in San Jose and that includes Thomas Sherbrook
0: yeah good pick uh my first follower is Eric Gustafson in the Toronto Maple Leafs and it's just very plain to see his time on ice with the Washington Capitals this season 2022 Leafs in two games 1157 so he's just pure depth now it's one of those I wonder how he felt about the trade he's going to a team with a better chance to win a Stanley Cup theoretically uh, but his role is greatly reduced. He's almost a seventh defenseman so far. And that team has 10 healthy defensemen, nine in the NHL, even 10 if you count Jordy Ben with the Marlies. So there's just so much competition for playing time. It's a great problem to have in real life, which is what the Leafs' design was here. But for fantasy, it's an absolute killer to Gustafson. It makes him, I think, pretty much droppable unless he somehow suddenly gets a chance to take Morgan Riley's spot on the first power play. So far, that hasn't happened. So big time death knell for his value of that trade.
3: I'm gonna go with Tyson Berry as my next pick, and this is someone we going in Edmonton, and you know he's got McDavid, he's got Drysaddle to pass to him, uh, both five five of five in the power play. Now in Nashville, he doesn't, and uh, that's something where Barry has always been able to put up a lot of points, and you know he played on some pretty poor Colorado Avalanche teams, but I feel like you know he still had some prodig. Like you look at Colorado, he had McKinnon setting him up in the power play, and you look at Toronto, he had uh, Matthews and he had uh, Nylander and Marner, and then you go to Edmonton, you got two of the best players in the world. So then you go to Nashville, where they don't have that. Uh, his fantasy value is going to take a, a tank here, and you uh, know he was on the DFO uh, live show on on trade deadline day, and it seemed like it caught him by surprise being involved in that trade. But uh, this is someone where. He's going to have a lot less competition, like obviously Romagnosi is as good as he is, but I feel like you know he he's, should have a lot of ice time for the, the duration of his time there, and I think he's going to be very important, but from a fantasy perspective, that's a loss.
0: For sure, and especially even if he was just going to the regular version of the Predators, but he's going to a Predators team that has stripped away all its yeah. veteran pieces as well, so even worse for his value. My second i know he had a big goal on monday night but i'm gonna go max domi and it's very similar to what happened last year you know you get traded to a a team that's going to use you as depth so you're still a useful addition but you're just not going to be playing as much so max domi first liner in chicago playing with patrick kane so far looking like he's going to be a third line center in dallas that's his early deployment so it's more just the depth ad and it hurts him in fantasy helps in real life but you're just not going to see max domi get the same opportunities in dallas and that's why he's one of my followers. I'm going to sneeze. Steven, I feel a sneeze coming. So if it happens, I apologize. Oh wait, no, it's going. Okay.
3: You're up. Perfect. Uh, and to wrap up for my section, I'm going to go with Phoenix Copley from uh, the LA Kings. You know, this is a guy that it was kind of like I had a Kings uh, writer uh, reach out to me. and like, man, like he's the best goalie in our team right now. And this was a few months ago. I'm like, well, that's a really poor situation to be in. Uh, statistically, it's been true. But now that they've got Corpus Allo in there uh, who, who, I I have mixed feelings about it because Kroposal has got a a pretty significant injury history and it's, he's been injured this year, I think twice. Uh, So this is something where, you know, I don't want to write off Coppa yet, but he's, you know, from a win perspective, he's getting them. And I've picked him up in fantasy. Obviously, from a, uh, an analytical situation, no, he hasn't been that great. But uh, I think he's going to get a lot less ice time now. Uh, the, in theory, you've got a guy in Corpo who was playing above his weight in Columbus, who, again, when he's healthy, is going to be uh, very important to this team. And we'll probably get the bulk of the starts here, but obviously not a, a situation. I think the uh, Mr. Uh, North Pole man himself is going to be too thrilled about. That's right. Uh, it's funny, my my
0: last faller, he could have been a big riser based on a couple of scares we had with Brad Marchand last week where he got hurt two games in a row and it looked like it could have been bad. First game he, he returned, second game he left, but then he was fine and returned to the next game. So because Marchand is okay, Tyler Bertuzzi is now one of my followers. Again, just a bigger role with the Red Wings, especially as they were showcasing him before the trade and with a similar situation to max domi it's just bertuzzi's on the third line in boston the bruins are just too good they're stacked and especially the way those first two lines are configured there's just no path for bertuzzi to leapfrog anyone he's not passing Brad Marchand to take the spot on the first line with Bergeron. You're not breaking up Marchand and Bergeron. And on the second line, the check line with Pavel Zaka on the left side with Krejci and Pasternak, they've been two good together as well. So I don't see Bertuzzi jumping onto that line. I think he's locked into the third line spot. So I think that's going to be, again, boon in real life for the Boston Bruins, but it's going to hurt Tyler Bertuzzi's fantasy value. Uh, we're going to keep the trade deadline theme going, but now we're just going to talk about some more players who we see having value affected by the deadline. Just
3: stuff this episode with trade deadline talk
0: why not so let's do some pickups of the week Stephen.
3: all right we're gonna start with the shallow league pickup of the week he's from oakville ontario and actually played for the oakville blades for a bit when i was working there mr evan bouchard evan bouchard and i wrote down
0: run to add him i think <laughs> maybe this is the biggest difference making pickup for the remainder of the fantasy hockey season if there's one player that's going to make the difference for you winning or losing a championship The guy right now to get is Evan Bouchard at the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, as Stephen referenced already, Tyson Berry gets traded out of there. The new power play one right shot quarterback with that unbelievable power play goodness and fantasy value is Evan Bouchard. We saw last year he showed a ton of promise as a power play quarterback. He got some moments in that spot for Berry. We know there's the first round pedigree. I was so high on him going into the season, but he ended up sort of losing that job. Now he has it back. And I noticed, I was looking at Saturday, he played 24 minutes, had three power play points. And I just think he, I just don't see another player out there with the same potential ceiling. And last I looked, he was available in 42% of leagues, which is shockingly low. By the time you're actually hearing this podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if the ownership has jumped up. So in other words, pause the show now, just go pick him up and then resume.
3: I like it. All right. Medium League pickup of the week involved in a trade involving Eric Gustafson. And that is uh, Washington's Rasmus Sandin. Yes, Rasmus Sandin. Again, another player who I think can make a big impact for you down the stretch.
0: If you can't get Bouchard, I think Sandin is a, a good consolation prize available in 79% of Yahoo leagues. And As soon as the Capitals acquired him, they immediately just chucked him onto the top power play. He had three assists in his first game. And he flashed this already. We know, again, like Bouchard, first-round pedigree. But when Morgan Riley was hurt earlier this season, Sandine got a big uptick in his minutes and roll, and he showed some offensive upside. And it was very telling. His first game as a Capital, 21 minutes, 40 seconds. That was his highest ice time in about three months since early December. So we know he was already an NHL ready player, it does hurt, I think for the least that they had to trade him like they're obviously all in but for the Capitals, it was quite the home run to get a player who's not like a prospect, he's ready to be an impact NHL -er right now. And they they seem like they're just going to try him in an important role right off the start. He's shown an ability to help in multiple categories as well, he can help in hits, he can get a decent number of shots too. So that's a difference maker
3: on D down the stretch. All right, next one's an interesting one. Thomas Novak for the Deep League Pickup of the Week. Thomas Novak. This is someone I admittedly did
0: not know much about going into the season. I even assumed he was from Chechev but no, he's an American. He has a Czech-sounding last name. He went, to, went through the, the Div 1 route uh, and the USA Hockey Development System as well. He's available in 93% of leagues, and there's just nobody left in Nashville. That roster is stripped bare. He's been thrown onto the first power play unit as a center. He's been centering uh, one of the first two scoring lines, and his pace is pretty shocking. This guy's got 15 points in his last 14 games. He's got 23 points in 29 games this season, 65 point pace. He's only playing 12 and a half minutes per game. That ice time is going to go up as well. So, He's showing some promise as a playmaker, and if if you need really cheap points.
2: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
2: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: And assists, this could be a, a shockingly decent pickup that helps you for the balance of the season.
3: All right. And the WTF Pickup of the Week is a guy that many thought could have been traded. Obviously, some situations with the injuries there kind of made that a tough uh, deal to make. But uh, Cam Talbot. Yeah, he's available in 37% of leagues. And he's a name
0: that I dropped a few times as someone to keep an eye on. If he gets traded, he could get a big uptick in value. In this case, he gets a big uptick in value from staying because he's sort of an own rental where the Senators are hot and suddenly they're a playoff contender. And now it's almost like Talbot got traded to a new team because the Ottawa Senators identity has suddenly shifted. And he doesn't have Anton Forsberg competing for starts. Obviously, Mad Sogard is there and was rookie of the month for February. But I think the Sens, if in doubt, are still going to defer slightly toward Talbot. And since his return from injury, Talbot, 3-1 record, 906 save percentage. That's a decent place to start. 906 in today's landscape is actually kind of average. It's not bad. And this team is just has a lot to play for. So I think just with an improved team around him, the defense should be better with Chikran added as well. Talbot is one of the only goalie pickups out there that could
3: suddenly help you a lot down the stretch. I I like that one. And the tip of the the week is one that actually was very important for me, which was keeping streamer spots open at every single position. Yes, and I've sort of referenced this earlier in the season, but I want to uh,
0: hammer it again and more in the context of your stretch run and your playoff matches, which I think a lot of leagues start their fantasy playoffs and head-to-head next week. If you're in a roto format, you're getting close to the end of the season as well. Uh, And I like to have a streamer spot uh, maybe one at forward, one on defense, and maybe one on uh, a goaltender, depending on how deep your league is. That only really works in a shallow league because if you're chasing certain categories in roto or you're in a head to head match, really, you know, with important points on the line for your standings or making the playoffs, missing the playoffs, you really have to be on it. And in any league that allows daily transactions, you have to just be watching those stat categories and you can make moves on the fly. You can pivot and you can be short in shots, short on hits, whatever it is, you wanna be able to make those moves and adjust as you go. And sort of mirror your opponent to make sure you're winning every category or staying afloat in every category that makes you very tough to beat it makes you tough to get blown out as well so ideally if your trade deadline is not passed yet you could try to trade your depth for one better player that way you can open up one of those streamer spots if your trade deadline's passed maybe you have to be a little bit ruthless and be willing to cut one guy from your team at each position that is probably worth holding on to for the most part but just marginal enough that you can afford to lose them if it means you have that flexibility to make more moves. So keep that roster malleable. And it makes you a really annoying opponent to play against and head-to-head because you're just constantly slippery slippery, adding players and you're just tough to
3: beat in every category. So do it, keep your team flexible. Yeah, I basically have kind of learned to stop kind of blowing my, like picking up players like Monday and Tuesday and saving them all for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And part of that is why I've done so well is When it's ever when it's been close on a Saturday, I pick up three like two or three guys that are playing on Sunday, especially goalies that I know. If it's a back to back, I'll pick the goalie because I'm willing to pick uh, goalies from a back to back on on the second half because you kind of expect that team if they're playing a a team that maybe was rested to face a bit more shots than they would if they were fully healthy or fully um, uh, rested themselves. Uh, And that really again worked out for me with Jonathan Quick.
0: For sure. Okay.
3: So we don't have a guest segment. This would normally be where our guest
0: segment was, but we were the guests this week. We were we were our own guests talking about the trade deadline. But
3: now let's do some prospect talk. Stephen, that is you. You are up, sir. All right. I'm going to go with William Eklund from the San Jose Sharks. And this is a team that's made some I'd say pretty decent moves uh, prospect-wise in the last couple of uh, days. Uh, Most on defense, but William Eklund has been outstanding in the AHL this year. I think, you know, last year was a bit of a learning curve for him. He started the year in the NHL, went back to Sweden, and then this year was, okay, just get used to playing on this different-sized ice, which a lot of European players will say is very important to them, um, and also just being in a different lifestyle. It's one thing for a, a major junior player to go play pro hockey, but for a European player, even if they've already played pro hockey, if they got to come over here and they're not used to lifestyle, it's very different. But I got to say that he's someone who's going to be a big piece of this team's future. And, you know, the sharks, they have an okay prospect pool, but nothing that's like, I'm getting super excited about other than Eklund. And he's just this dynamic forward. You know, he, he, can play physical he can so he actually does get some decent hits uh for your fantasy team uh he blocks shots he's very good in his own zone and then the points were obviously there in the ahl so you know i'm I'm happy with how he has started in the nhl it's only been two games but i think that uh as the team gets more comfortable especially now where they're not trying to win uh and then they keep trying to give him more ice time i think before long we're talking about a guy who is challenging probably next season for the first line um, center role on that team and, and is going to be very good at it so uh William Eklund uh, has a nice bright future in San Jose I just they need to get him the help to make sure that he's not kind of being wasted there
0: mm-hmm. it's funny I would try to pick him up in my own league but somebody illegally stashed him based on our league rules you, you're not allowed to have like guys in the minors in your NA spot but this guy had William Eklund all year I just forgot to call him out for it so now he now he just has William Eklund on his team which is annoying uh, okay, Stephen, now we're going to shift gears and do our best bet of the week. I've been taking some big swings uh, for this segment and you know, doing some futures bets. I'm going to shrink it down and do a smaller bet this time. I'm just looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Philadelphia Flyers Tuesday night, the puck line minus two for the Lightning, and I like it. We know the Lightning have been in the news lately with John Cooper calling out the team, benching several of his stars. They've suffered some humiliating defeats, a couple on the weekend as well. Uh, but This team now is coming home, and they've been embarrassed. So I think they have a lot to prove. They're going to want to send a message to their own coach. So, And again, they're facing a pretty weak team in the Flyers. So I think that the Bolts are going to come out strong, send a message. This is a veteran team. They should have the ability to respond under adversity, as they have so many times during this mini-dynasty that they have. So I like them to beat up on Philly. That's Tampa Bay, puck line, Tuesday night, minus two. Over the Flyers, and a word from our sponsor, Proline Plus is not just another sportsbook. Being the only sportsbook that gives 100% of the profits back to Ontario, Proline has been your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years. Now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in store, online, or take the game on the go with the Proline app, with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the Proline app and bet in app with Proline Plus today, or head over to Proline Plus. .ca to learn more. And don't forget, if you're a novice better the pools segment is a good way to do it. It's similar to how you'd be betting on NFL. You just get to pick winners with a slate of games. It's a nice entry point if you want to just learn how to bet on hockey. Okay, Stephen, I think it's time for some listener
3: questions. All right. First question comes from Slim Brady Zero. Jonathan Quick has looked bad this year, but with the opportunity in Vegas, do you envision him bouncing back even in the short term? I don't really. So, I think you're going to see him get
0: a few more wins. He is a gamer, you know. Uh, that first win he got for the Golden Knights is a perfect example of I think the type of game you're going to get from him, where it's a bit of an adventure, but he makes that one save in the right moment and he manages to get the win. But it's not like he had a dominant game and had a 950 save percentage. He just isn't a good goaltender now. I honestly think Jonathan Quick is one of the more overrated goaltenders in NHL history. Uh, he's someone who's never sniffed the Vezina Trophy. I think he was a runner up once and he's dined out on these two amazing playoff runs that he's had but for me there's been a lot of bad to go with the good and he hasn't been an above average goalie in the league for five years he has that really athletic style that was never designed to age well he's a bit of an undersized goalie and his body's broken down he's just not as quick quick is not as quick as he used to be and if you look uh this season only two goaltenders qualified goaltenders have a worse goal saved above average per 60. he's at the bottom of the league he's pretty much as bad as any goalie in the NHL this year. So I think eventually, even though there's going to be a little surge and excitement over bringing someone to Vegas with that reputation, I think that Bruce Cassidy is going to wisen up and give the lion's share of the starts to Aiden Hill. So I'm not overly excited for Jonathan Quick's fantasy prospects.
3: All right. I, I tend to agree there. Yeah, this is a guy – He. There are probably few goalies in the league that, if I needed someone to just play the game of their lives that day, uh, I would pick over Jonathan Quick. Obviously, Vasilevsky's number one, but it, Quick has these ability, these games where you just go, "Oh my god, how did he do that? How did he pull off that win?" The issue is that's very far and few between at this point, and he doesn't, uh, you know. He's had way too many stinkers. This is a L.A. team that's, uh, you know, going to be a contender. And he looked down at awful of them this year. Uh, you know, last year was nice to see him kind of get that uh, a that little bit of a bounce back. But, you know, he still look at the numbers. They weren't great. But yeah, I, I have to agree there. Uh, this one comes from Shestergoat. Goat. Uh, do you like terrasenko or Kane more for the rest of the year with the Rangers? that's a good question of course two extremely valuable players
0: stars, stanley cup winners joining the same team i lean toward vladimir tarasenko for several reasons so one he's three years younger so just i think has more upside left in his body uh more of a shooter so generally in fantasy if you have to break a tie you go for the goal scorer rather than the passer um and he's also just had if you look at the intangible side of it Terasenko's has had more time to adjust he's been there longer it's been give or take a month now i think right since that trade mm-hmm. Patrick Kane, I think, was more of an institution in his own city, his previous team, and it was more of a reluctant thing. Will he, or will he, or won't he waive that no movement clause? It probably feels very strange for him to be in a new jersey. Whereas Tarasenko had a, a trade request, a trade he'd requested a trade multiple years ago, and he never pulled it back. So. For him, it was more of a welcome thing to happen. For Kane, it was like, okay, I, I guess I'm going to do this, but this is weird. So if you factor in the age and also just the emotional intangibles, I think
3: Tarasenko is going to adjust quicker and be the more valuable fantasy player down the stretch. I, I'm going to agree there, but I do like the fact that Kane has already been playing with uh, his old buddy there, and, uh, or Timmy Panera, and I feel like they're going to be able to get that chemistry back. And we know what Kane can do in the playoffs. Granted, most of his playoff damage was almost a decade ago or in some cases over a decade ago, but I just, I can't, I have a hard time giving up on him. I know that was kind of a, that was a question at one point. It's like, who's a player. You just can't get like divorced, but you can't cut off completely. I'm still going with Patrick Kane, at least from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but that's it for questions. We're going to go straight into the starting lineup. And for this time, I want to know your most annoying TV characters. This is a fun one. Cause I just feel like I can
0: take out some frustration because I'm the type of person that, does get annoyed by a TV character and I'll sort of rant about it to my wife when we're on the couch. So I'm ready. I'm going to I'm gonna go off here. Okay. So number six, Dwight Schrute from The Office. He is a very obvious, uh, I think just sort of lowest common denominator character on a really good show. And I do think Dwight's funny, but he's just so, he's just, he's dialed to a hundred at all times. And I think he feels like an unrealistic character relative to the rest of the show. He almost doesn't fit. So to me, it's almost like if you are an Office fan and Dwight's your favorite character, you just you just told me something about yourself. And maybe I just lost a tiny bit of respect for you. I just think he's very obvious humor. He's funny, but it's just like he's beating you over the head with it. So that's number six. Number five, Bran Stark, Game of Thrones. One thing I always said about Game of Thrones is it had so many interesting characters that no matter where the show took you, it was like, oh, this episode's going to focus on Arya. This fo- this episode's going to focus on the mountain or, or the hound, whatever, whoever it's going to be. It's always interesting, whoever it's following, with the exception of Bran Stark, who's so boring. He's just an absolute snooze of a character. And every time the show shifted to Bran, I was like, oh, geez, it's a Bran episode. Oh, This is going to be some mumbo-jumbo, psychedelic BS. It's going to be boring. So... I have to say, Bran, even though really nice kid. My wife and I met him at like an HBO Game of Thrones season launch. Just a splendid young lad. But sorry, Bran, your character sucks. (laughs) Number four, I've got Meadow Soprano. And I feel bad for Jamie Lynn Sigler, Jamie Lynn Discala, I guess is her name now, having to play this character for a show that I think is the greatest TV show of all time and has so many deep and well-designed characters. I think Meadow Soprano was sort of that stereotypical angsty teenage daughter character that you see on so many TV shows, it's so hard for television shows to get that character right. I don't know why that is. I think Mad Men, for example, with Sally Draper is one of the best examples of getting it right and making sort of a more complex character. But with Meadow, it was just kind of like teen angst karaoke for a lot of the show and just very whiny and unlikable character. I almost feel bad having, I feel like if you had to play that character, it wouldn't be very much fun. So meadows number four, number three for you parents out there. JJ from Coco Melon, that little <laughs> baby, he's a walking contradiction. Sometimes he's in a onesie, sometimes he's walking, sometimes he's doing choreographed dance, sometimes he can talk, sometimes he can't talk. Is he three months old? Is he five years old? Make up your mind, JJ. You drive me crazy. <laughs> number two, number two, brother Muzone from The Wire. So The Wire, again, one of the greatest television shows of all time and just so grounded in reality. And you have this one character who swoops in and is talking like this, <laughs> reform Lamar, where's my Harper's Magazine, Lamar? And it's like, is he? does he think he's in a stage play? Why did they let this actor perform it this way? It completely ju- it doesn't jive with the rest of the show. Everything Brother Muzone's doing just feels like cartoony and, and as if it's from a completely different universe, terrible character. Number one, I'm just going to bust out my bazooka and fire a big missile at the entire <laughs> cast of Big Bang Theory. Terrible <laughs> show, most annoying TV show of all time, awful, obvious, lowest common denominator humor. I hate this show, and everybody in the cast overacts and is absolutely terrible, horrible, piece of garbage television show. And the mic is now dropped.
3: <laughs> I... Yeah, I- I got nothing for that one. Uh, w- w- one thing when you mentioned the kids character, um, have you ever seen anything on uh, YouTube Kids? Uh, probably. Yeah, I'm
0: sure. I've, uh, YouTube. I mean, YouTube's a giant rabbit hole. There's lots but there of- are
3: you, there are you like there's like a whole section of YouTube called YouTube Kids, and it's a little concerning some of the stuff on there. I I turned on a stream a couple of days ago and was watching like Spider Man give birth from. Um, a bunch of minecraft characters and it's like some of the stuff is like this some of the topics on some of these like live streams where it's shown to have all these kid-friendly characters are really messed up
0: oh yes that's that's like, a known thing and uh yeah. i've gotten my daughters off youtube in terms of just youtube programming because it's just very unregulated you don't know what you're getting there's some really strange stuff like nightmare inducing stuff out there so you got to be careful with youtube relative to like a, a standard streaming service so I, I agree with you all the way even though, if you're on a standard streaming service, you have to deal with friggin' JJ from Coco Melon, the little bastard. <laughs> do
3: you know this guy, Bilippi or whatever his name is? Yes, yes, yeah. So I, I he was at Daytona when I was there, and I was in like two of his like videos that he posts on Instagram. And it's like, I could see why kids like him; he's just energetic. But it was funny watching him do these dances and smiling. Soon the cameras off, like yeah. just. Deadpan, like I don't want to be here. <laughs>
0: I'm sure I believe it. Yeah, you got to dial up that energy when you're on camera. Just like us, Stephen. As soon as the camera goes off today, we are going to be just like Blippy because we're both not feeling well. Uh, but that is the end of this episode. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. And we'll get back to just standard fantasy talk next week as we get down to our home stretch. Most of you, I think, will be in your fantasy playoffs, so we will try to help you as best we can. See
1: you later.